So this week, I am sharing a really exciting announcement. And if you're listening live this week, I'm also bringing back one part of my three-part series on how to unlock the power of ChatGPT. And I'm doing both of these things because I just launched a new ChatGPT resource for nonprofits that I am so, so excited about. It's the nonprofit ChatGPT headquarters. So for those of you who are longtime listeners, you have heard me talk about ChatGPT before. I am really bought into this tool. It is not some fancy, super techie tool that needs to be built out and figured out. It should be as integrated into your workflow and as simple as Google Docs. It's a capacity builder and a time saver. And my goal is to make it easy for organizations, particularly small and growing organizations where time and money and capacity are really an issue to tap into the power of ChatGPT. If you aren't, you're leaving capacity on the table and I want to help you solve that problem. So I took the questions and the conversations that I've been having with nonprofits for the last really six or seven months and turned it into a concrete tool, which is one of my favorite things to do. The nonprofit ChatGPT headquarters is an all-in-one workspace that supports you at every phase of using ChatGPT in your workflow, from giving you ideas to giving you prompts that you can cut and paste right into ChatGPT, to giving you an already built out place to save and organize the prompts that you like, the personalities that you try, and all of the work that you do using ChatGPT. So, If you are still on the fence about ChatGPT, listen to this week's episode. If you're listening to a different episode and hearing this preview, head on over to this week's episode and get inspired. And when you're ready to take the next step and start saving you and your team hours of time and brain energy every week, you can head to brookrichiebabbage.com backslash ChatGPT dash HQ and grab the workspace. Enjoy. Welcome to the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast. I'm Brooke Ritchie Babbage. I've been in the social impact game for 25 years as a social justice lawyer turned two-time nonprofit founder and leader turned growth strategist and coach for leaders around the country. I grew my nonprofit from me and an intern in a tiny closet to a high-impact seven-figure organization. And along the way, I learned so, so much about how to build an organization that has real impact and how to do it without burning out. In this podcast, I share the nuts and bolts of all of it, so you can do that too. We dive into the mindset, strategies, and tactics of how to scale a high-impact organization and how to do it in a way that's truly sustainable. How do you cultivate hope? I read this question the other day, and it stuck with me. On the surface, it seems like a purely woo-woo question. but it's actually quite profound and important as a leader of a nonprofit. Hope isn't blind optimism, at least not how I understand it. It's the anticipation of goodness, even amidst challenge. It's believing that even in dark seasons and cash crunches and staff turmoil and crises erupting in our communities and around the world, Even as we navigate these things, good things can happen. Our work can have an impact and life can be beautiful. 
So thinking about this question and how practical it actually is led me to today's sort of quick topic. I want to talk about gratitude. Just as I alluded to in my weekly newsletter this week, talking about gratitude now can seem trite. At best, it's just the thing you're supposed to do at this time of the year. Everybody says what they're thankful for. Everybody talks about gratitude, all the things. At worst, it's put into this bucket, right? The idea of gratitude or gratitude practice is put into this bucket of just another thing we know we're supposed to do, but never seem to get around to it, except during this time of year. I like to actually see it a different way. I like to see it as if this is the time of year when we zero in on something that is actually so fundamental and important. This is our chance or an opportunity to refocus and recenter something that actually has power all the time. The power to cultivate in us the resilience that we want. The power to reduce our overwhelm at its source. And even, science says, rewire our brains. So it's always important. And this is actually just a chance to shine a light on it. My husband and I talk about how much we love to celebrate our wedding anniversary. That is not to say that on a random Tuesday in the middle of June, our anniversary is in December, in the middle of June, we don't love and value one another and our marriage. Our anniversary is just an opportunity to shine light on something that is always valuable. Having a gratitude practice, spending even just two minutes a day focused on what we are grateful for, works. And it works to reduce overwhelm and cultivate resilience and rewire our brain because it trains our attention. It is a deep and powerful habit of mind. What you pay attention to changes what you want, how you feel, and what you believe. What you focus on grows. And as we focus on gratitude or things that we are grateful for, it disciplines our mind to grow the things that we can be grateful for, right? To pay attention to the good stuff all around us. It's a habit that actually alters the way we experience every aspect of our lives. Michael Hyatt talks about this metaphor of a jar, which I really love. Imagine your mind as a jar. And every time you focus on hard stuff, the stuff that makes you anxious or sad, you add a small dark pebble to your jar. Every time you focus on a beautiful moment, a moment of kindness, moment of grace, you add bright marbles. Now, I'm not saying that you're never able to focus or even sometimes fixate on tough or even painful moments, right? For I can't imagine any of us our jars will have dark pebbles because we are human. But over time, with enough practice, we just spend more time remembering the bright moments than the dark moments. We just add more bright marbles and the balance shifts. And as we change the way we remember our day, remember those bright moments, we change the way we experience the present what we notice, what we take in, and how things land and are processed. So how do you build a gratitude practice that you can actually sustain to do all of these wonderful, powerful things? It's actually really simple. I'm going to recommend three concrete 
simple, simple, simple steps. First, grab something to write on. I have a single journal where I have recorded gratitudes for years, but my sister had a gratitude jar and would write her gratitudes on little slips of brightly colored paper every morning and stuff them in the jar. It doesn't actually matter, but you want it to be a place that is consistent, that holds gratitudes over the course of your practice. Second, find a quiet spot. It does not have to be the same spot every day. Some people have a place where they meditate. You don't have to be that structured about it, but you do want a place where you can turn your focus inward without distractions, right? So the spot itself doesn't matter, but the quiet does. Finally, third, set your timer for two minutes. You don't want to overthink these, right? Reflect on and write at least three wins or things that you are grateful for either in that moment or from the day. And that's it. Grab something to write on, find a quiet spot where you can turn your focus inward without distraction. And for two minutes, reflect on and and write at least three things, three wins, three things you are grateful for. Now, I challenge myself not to say the same thing every day, which can be tough. But I find that when I notch down, I can reflect on specific moments or actions rather than entire ideas. It goes from being grateful for certain friendships to being grateful for that random text that I got from a particular friend just to say that they were thinking of me. Now, if you're just starting out, I recommend building these two minutes into either a morning or an evening routine right? so that you do it every morning or every evening. The main difference between the two is really just about focus, right? The structure would be the same, the two minutes in quiet space. As part of a morning routine, a two-minute gratitude practice can really sort of kick your day off in a positive place, right? It sort of sets your mind to be open to seeing and finding things to be grateful for. As part of an evening routine, it's a wonderful bookend to your day. It helps you rewire and refocus and reframe on the positive. Now, in both cases, what will happen over time is you're naturally going to start looking for things throughout your day that you can reflect on and write about later. One of the other reasons that you want the quiet space and the two minutes is that even if you only write three or four things, part of what you're allowing your mind to do when you sit in the quiet is provide really space for things that you're holding on to maybe a little bit beneath the surface, right? things you'd be grateful for that may not be top of mind for you, but that when you are quiet and still for a moment sort of emerge, right? Oh, I remember that really nice thing that the person did, or I remember that thing that the person said that just sort of made me feel good, right? You may not remember those right off the top of your head, but if you sit, they're in there, right? And this is part of the reframing and the refocusing. Here's the thing. If adulthood has taught me anything. It's that every season is a mixed bag at best. Despite the perfectionist in me constantly looking for the perfect set of circumstances in at least one area of my life, I've had to learn to live with the reality that life, days, even sometimes moments, carry multitudes. Even the worst seasons can contain good. 
And my own gratitude practice has given me eyes to be able to see that. So to answer our original question, how do you cultivate hope? You cultivate it by building it bit by bit. If hope is the anticipation of goodness, your gratitude practice reminds you every day that there are moments of good and light even in the darkest day. And because you have your journal or jar of gratitudes, you can remind yourself of evidence that that's true. So that's my advice for this week of Thanksgiving and gratitude. And I hope that was helpful. I'll see you back here next week for more Mastermind. Thanks so much for joining me this week. If you enjoy this podcast, I would love for you to leave a rating and a review. I read every single one and they really do matter. I also share extra tidbits and resources building on what we talk about here in my newsletter, Leadership Forward 321. You can sign up by texting the word IMPACT to 66866. And finally, definitely check out the links and resources that I mentioned in this episode at brookrichiebabbage.com backslash podcast. See you next week.